All right, everybody, welcome back to Horn Takes. It's a pretty cool uh, night for me because this is the first time I've ever done a live stream. We're live streaming right now to YouTube. I would be live streaming to TikTok, but I can't get a uh, stream key. So I'm going to see about that. Anyway, national championship game. Uh, if you're a college football fan, you saw it last night. Uh, you saw a pretty bad ass kicking is what you saw. Uh, but we'll kind of go through the game. We'll talk a little bit about the, the things we talked about on the podcast last week, Friday, before the game. Obviously, we got number three TCU against number one Georgia. I think a lot of a lot of TCU fans thought they really had a shot at this game, and I think the college football world, a lot of people wanted them to have a shot at this game. I think that win against Michigan, looking back on it, I think that win against Michigan was kind of fluky. Uh, not sure if... Uh, not sure if they win that game nine times out of ten, but but anyway, let's get into it. Uh, we obviously went through the numbers. We looked at it by the numbers last week, and man, Georgia was overwhelmingly the favorite on paper. Uh, there was a couple spots where TCU kind of had a, a very slight edge over over Georgia on paper. If you were looking at the sort of stats that uh, you know, like offensive rushing, defensive rushing. Uh, passing offense, passing defense, scoring, and uh, those types of things. Uh, TCU had a slight edge in scoring offense and a slight edge in in rushing offense heading into this game. Uh, But other than that, it it was overwhelmingly uh, a Georgia matrix, if you you put it down into a matrix, which is what I did. So as we started talking about this game, you know, one of the – a lot of questions kind of came to my mind. Uh, and and one of them was, can TCU continue to have this sort of magical season they've been having? If you looked at their season, if you paid much attention to TCU all year, you saw a team that that was finding ways to win games late. I mean, there was that crazy game against uh, Baylor where they kicked a field goal with no timeouts left. Uh, the clock is sitting there ticking down. I think they ran a play with 16 seconds, uh, and they end up they end up running the field goal team out, kicking a field goal with maybe two seconds left on the clock uh, to win that game. Uh, they won an overtime game against Oklahoma State. Uh, they played a really a, a lot of really close games all year. They uh, and, and then obviously in the semifinal, just a kind of a crazy game uh, when you look back at it. Two pick sixes for TCU, uh, an overturned touchdown. Uh, for Michigan, uh, where where I think most people feel like the Michigan player was clearly not outside of the end zone when he finally possessed the ball, uh, but but just a lot of stuff like that, just kind of these comeback deals and these close games where they just found ways to win. Could they continue to do that? Uh, I didn't think they would. Uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast, I, I, I predicted this game to be 41-27 Georgia. Uh, I did I expected Georgia to win comfortably, uh, but I did not expect uh, the type of beatdown that, that we saw last night. Uh, and then I think another question is, you know, Max Duggan. Max Duggan has kind of carried this team all year. Uh, 
he just again found ways to make play. You saw it in the Big Twelve Championship game. The only reason they lost that game is because the coaches actually took the game out of Max Duggan's hand. So Max Duggan, kind of the heart and soul of this TCU team and had been carrying this team on his back all season long. Can he can he get up for it and do it again, especially after a really uh, emotional sort of tight game with Michigan? Can he fill that gas tank back up again and, and be ready to go do that again? Could Georgia, you know, handle the pressure of going back to back? A lot, a lot, you know, you win the national championship and you bring back as much talent as Georgia did this year, and a lot of people are looking at you and saying, "You need to be competing for it again." So, so just to get to the playoff, I mean, people people look at football today like it's a video game, uh, and it's not. Uh, you see it all the time. People, oh, they got all these four and five stars. They should be really good and. Uh, it's not like that. Like, you have to go out on the field and you have to win the games. Alabama kind of proved that this year. I mean, they didn't have a, a terrible year by any stretch of the imagination. They lost two games, which I guess for Alabama is kind of a bad year here lately. But they have a really talented roster. But you have to go out on the field and you have to win games when it counts. And Bama just wasn't good on the road. And that's what ended up ultimately costing them uh, was not being able to to win a couple games on the road. So Georgia had a lot of pressure to to not only get there, but then once they got there, finish the deal and go back-to-back. It's hard to do. Not a lot of teams do it. And then we kind of alluded to it a minute ago. Which team could, which team could bounce back? Both teams played really close games in the semifinals. Uh, Georgia had to come from behind to win their game. Uh, I think TCU pretty much controlled their game for the most part, but it was a close game, and, and, and Michigan was able – late in the or in the second half of that game to kind of crawl their way back into that game uh, and had opportunities where they they might take control of the game and and TCU had an answer for everything Michigan did uh, so those are those are mentally draining those are physically draining those are emotional emotionally draining games and, and so I thought a big question was which team was going to be able to to get those tanks filled up again and be ready to do all that over again just a little over a week later to win a national championship game. Our keys of the game, we talked about big play defense. We talked about not just uh, creating big plays on defense, but being able to stop big plays with your defense. Uh, we talked about sacks, you know, QB pressures, tackles for loss, uh, turnovers, obviously. Uh, and if you look at this game, uh, Georgia had three turnovers, two interceptions, uh, five sacks, nine tackles for loss. Uh, on the flip side, TCU had 188 total yards. Uh, and really, one big pass play was the only reason they had that many and the only reason they were able to even score at all. Uh, they had a 60-yard pass play early in the game. Uh, Georgia got confused on some coverage, and uh, TCU took advantage of it. Which, by the way, if Max Duggan puts that ball, you know, throws a little better ball. That's a touchdown. But the big play defense obviously favored Georgia uh, in this game. TCU was not able to stop big plays at all. Uh, Georgia made big plays on the ground, big plays through the air. Seemed like every time you looked up, Georgia was picking up 10 yards, 12 yards on the ground, pass plays between 10, 15, 20 yards. 
running plays by the quarterback. I mean, Stetson Bennett ran into the end zone twice without even getting touched. One of them was from relatively far out, I think 20, 25 yards, something like that. So the defense for TCU was just completely outmanned. And all that happened in the trenches. We we talked about it and we talked about how it's kind of a it's kind of a cop out, you know, you say you got to win the trenches and and I think if you look at any football game, you have to be able to win in the trenches. If you can't do that, you're definitely not going to win. Well, I won't say definitely, but it, the odds of you winning a game if you can't block and you can't get pressure on the quarterback and and create pressure in the offensive backfield with your defensive line and your and your linebackers the odds of you winning a game they're not great won't say it never happens uh it obviously probably has happened uh I can't think of one where it's happened but but surely it has but who is going to be able to win these trenches and again I think it speaks for itself uh TCU only managed 36 rushing yards the entire game on the flip side, Georgia had 254 rushing yards, allowed zero sack. They they just absolutely steamrolled a, a, a TCU team, a TCU defense that statistically was pretty pretty good. Not not like a great statistical defense, but certainly a defense that had had already slowed down some pretty good offenses or some offenses that had the potential uh, to be pretty good. So obviously, you know, Georgia Georgia won that. And and so they're two out of three right now uh for keys to the game. And then the, the third key to the game was who's able to hand the moment handle that moment better. Uh we talked about not only the players for Georgia having just a lot more experience in this type of a game, playing in SEC championship games, playing in games to get into SEC championship games obviously playing in the national championship last year, a lot of those players had just played in a lot of really big games. And really the only, the only big game for TCU in a long time has been that big 12 championship game against K state. And they ended up losing that game. So there's certainly advantage on the Georgia side from a player perspective. And then you look at the coaching staffs, you know, Sonny doc, Sonny Dykes has been around, uh, but he's never really been in a position where he's had to coach in in a really big atmosphere like this and none of his coordinators have been in a position to have to coach in a really big atmosphere like this look at those guys and they've got just a few years of combined coordinator experience at the d1 level and most of that was at smaller schools not on the big stage like we're talking not even not even on a stage the the size of tcu on the on the flip side, Georgia, tons of experience. Will Muschamp has been around the block. He's played, or uh, he's coached in multiple national championship games, multiple conference championship games. He's been a head coach in big games. Uh, Munkin, kind of the same deal. Uh, lots of offensive coordinator and, and head coach experience. So, th- so the whole staff at Georgia just much better prepared to handle this type of game and get and get players ready to handle this type of game. You know, one of the things that was really interesting to me was Sonny Dykes, after that game when they interviewed him, just looked shell-shocked. He just looked like a guy that 
had no idea what the hell just happened to him and what just happened to his team. And he kind of looked like that from like the second quarter on, on the sideline. The team just looked like they had no answer. I mean, their guy, Max Duggan, standing on the sidelines just with this look on his face of despair, like, I I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. Uh, Even when he had time, which wasn't often, he didn't do a very good job of distributing the football. A lot of errant throws just did not ever look comfortable in that game. And that's not a dig at Max Duggan. I, I, there's a lot of quarterbacks that weren't going to look comfortable uh, in that game last night. But TCU just was not ready to go play in that game. They, they didn't know what that game was going to be like. They didn't know what Georgia was about to unleash on them. And because of that, they just weren't ready to play. Once once they got down, they had no answer. And I, and I think I think they tried to continue to play hard, and those guys, you know, they, they gave good effort. They were just completely outmatched. In, in every way you could possibly be outmatched, TCU was outmatched in that game. So we talked about, you know, the my prediction again was 41 to 27. I thought the I thought that the the experience of those players on the Georgia team, the experience in in both booths so to speak, both coordinators, uh the Kirby Smart's head coaching experience. Uh, Kirby Smart for being a head coach for just a fairly short amount of time has has had his teams in some really high profile games and when he was a coordinator he coached a lot of units on teams that were in high profile games so the roster the coaching staff they were just better and then again going back to the trenches I thought that Georgia's offensive line and their defensive line would just be too much for TCU and and I said those things and and I never expected the game to be 65 to 7. I mean that that has to be the biggest ass whipping I have seen in a in a football game where you've got two relatively good teams. Even even in even in conference championship games you sometimes see these situations where the where one of the teams is just completely overmatched. But they're they're an upper level team or they, they wouldn't have gotten to the conference championship game They're You know, there's something about them that, that got them there. Right. So I haven't seen an ass whooping like that in that type of game since the 2005 big 12 championship game where Texas scored 70 points and not even three quarters. There was like five minutes left in the third quarter when they finally stopped scoring points, but they ended up beating Colorado that year, 70 to three. So, and I, it's got to be the all-time biggest national championship ass whipping. I, I kept thinking during, you know, as the game kept moving on, this is going to get ugly like Nebraska over Florida. And I believe 96, the 95 season. And it got way worse than that. So, so now that, you know, that national championship game, it wasn't a great game to watch. Uh, I was hoping it would be better. I think a lot of college fans were hoping it would be better. The only people that really 
are excited about the way that game turned out or Georgia fans. And then the, you know, the, the SEC Homer fans that want to act like anytime a team from the SEC wins a championship, they get to celebrate it. But I, I was hoping for a better game. The semifinal games were both good, which was, which was awesome. We haven't seen that before. Uh, but I think, again, that was historically sort of bad national championship game. But it makes you wonder, you know, there, there was a whole lot of discussion leading up to, to the final decision by the college football playoff committee. Who deserves to be in? Who doesn't deserve to be in? There was a lot of people that kept mentioning Alabama and, and, and how they would rather see Alabama. I think, I think most people probably think that TCU deserved to be in, and I think they deserve to be in. Uh, I think they did everything they needed to do based off of what other teams had done. Ideally, you'd want to see your your playoff teams win the win the conference championship, but not lose the game before the playoff start. But that was the only game they lost all season, and and all the other teams had already lost two games that were that were kind of in the discussion, at least two games. So they did everything they could have done to get into the playoffs, and I think if you look at those top six teams or so, they deserve to be one of the top four teams. All that being said, they did not belong in that college football playoff, and and I think, I think again that you know, they did end up winning a game and they beat Michigan. I think if they, I think if Michigan and TCU play that game ten times, TCU might have got their only win when it actually counted. And, and I'm not trying to take that away; that counts. I just don't think TCU was a was as good a team as Michigan. And I certainly don't think from a roster perspective that they were as good a team as Alabama. I think if you get Alabama in that playoff and Alabama gets by Michigan, then you've got a much better national championship game. And I think, I don't know how you could get a better, I don't know how you could get a better semifinal game than the Georgia Ohio State game really but I think you have a, another good game there if they have to match up against Georgia which they they more than likely would have in that scenario so 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 you know those guys that say I want to see the best teams I don't care about your record and I don't care about their record I want to see the teams that I know their roster is built to go play in these types of games I I think they're going to there's going to be a lot of chirping from those guys because uh, TCU obviously did not have the roster to do that. You look at you look at uh, TCU's recruiting classes over the last four years. I think their highest recruiting class was twenty fifth. They had tons of recru- you know, two recruiting classes in the forties and one in the fifties, I believe. They, what what TCU had this year was kind of a perfect storm, and a lot of people are going to point to you know their their success and Sonny Dykes' success. Oh, this is a first-year head coach. Why can't other teams do that? And other teams can do that. But what you see with all these teams, and I've kind of been talking about it a lot this year, Tennessee's kind of the same way. There was a lot of upper-class leadership on those teams. TCU had 38 players in their two-deep that were upperclassmen. They are losing so many players off of this team. This And it's an experienced team. And experience matters especially when you start talking about these close games uh you know where where you have to pull things out at the very end 
22-year-olds, 23-year-olds are going to be much more likely to be able to handle that type of pressure than 18- and 19-year-olds. I saw something on the internet. I don't know if it's 100% true. Somebody must have... Somebody probably did their own research. I don't know. TCU's average age of their starter was 23. The average age for the University of Texas's starter this year was 19. That's a big difference. And so TCU, they had those 38 upperclassmen on the two deep. And then they played on a they played in a conference this year that just wasn't good uh at all. I think I think there was several average to maybe above average teams in the big 12 this year. There was a couple of teams that were just really bad. And TCE was able to sort of separate themselves from a record perspective from those average to above average teams, basically because they had all this experience and they won all these tight games. They were able to pull some of these games out, but they, they didn't dominate anybody in the big 12. And again, the big 12, just not a good conference this year. Big Twelve was two and seven in bowl games this year, and I and I counted, I counted uh, TCU's loss in that national championship game into that number. Uh, if you if you don't want to count that, they're two and six, uh, which is pretty atypical for the Big Twelve. Usually, the Big Twelve sort of doesn't have any respect going into bowl season, and they. They end up winning a lot of games. This year, just nobody could win a bowl game. Texas Tech was able to beat Ole Miss. TCU was obviously able to beat Michigan. Everybody else was just garbage. I think another interesting thing about TCU season, and and I, and I call it like this perfect storm, for you know, to sort of explain how that group of kids got to where they got with a first-year coaching staff. They ended up playing four straight games in Big 12 play where the starting quarterback got knocked out of the game. And in those games, only one of them was a blowout, and that was against Oklahoma. The rest of those games were close games. And you have to think, in a close game, I mean, if you if you don't think about who the teams are and you just have two teams on the field and one of them loses their starting quarterback, you kind of have to think in that close game, that team that lost the starting quarterback, at least, at the very least, had a decent shot at, at winning that game had they not lost their starting quarterback. So TCU really just had this this perfect storm of all these things that that had to line up just right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is TCU's just they just weren't a good football team. A, a good like a great football team, like a, like the type of team that you you look at and say, you know, that's a that's a great football team. That team can compete with any team in the country. They're they're just not that they're not that team. Uh, from a roster perspective, from a coaching staff perspective, they're not it. So we'll see how this live is going. It's going. So 
So yeah, that's the roundup. That's the that's the recap of this national championship game. Uh, pretty unentertaining game. I personally, I'm not one of those guys that's a oh I want the Big Twelve to do good because I'm a Texas fan. I don't care about the Big Twelve. I don't care about conferences. I don't care about any other teams in the Big Twelve. So I was kind of happy to see TCU lose. Their fans have been giving me shit all year. Uh, their fans, I think their fans just got to the point where they finally started believing the 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 hype. Like they, I, I talked about in the last podcast how at the Texas game there there was a lot of TCU fans there, but they almost didn't they almost didn't know how to act. They weren't they weren't interacting with Texas fans. There was certainly not anybody running around, you know hooping and hollering about T. I think, you know, I think they headed into Austin for that game, unsure of kind of how good they, the team was. And I think finally, after beating Michigan in that semifinal game, they, they sort of came out of their shells and they became this annoying fan base that demanded respect. And if you didn't think they were going to win, the national championship against Georgia that that you just were a, a TCU hater, uh, and I can't stand that shit. So uh, I, I was perfectly happy to watch TCU get the hell beat out of them. You guys subscribe to the podcast. It's on Buzzsprout. Uh, the link. Well, just look up Horn Takes Podcast on Buzzsprout. You'll find it. Same thing on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Horn Takes Podcast. Hit the little bell. You'll get all the notifications for live shorts. Anytime I throw videos up there. I'm on TikTok as well. Horn Takes Podcast. Same deal. Trying to get that key so I can stream live there as well. You can hit me up at horntakespodcast at gmail.com with any of your comments questions, concerns, and criticisms. I love them all. You guys have a good one. Hook them.